Hello, this is Sean Dixon, and I'm here with Brian Patterson and John Gonzalez. We are each returned mission presidents for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and this is the Preach My Gospel Mission Prep Podcast. We are here to help prepare you to become successful Preach My Gospel missionaries and lifelong disciples of Jesus Christ. In each episode, we explore powerful concepts from every chapter in Preach My Gospel. We will talk to return missionaries and others about their experiences and insights. You can even use this podcast to get institute credit. Let's get started. Brian and John, here we are in our first episode of the Preach My Gospel Mission Prep podcast. I'm excited to begin this journey with you two. Well, so am I. It's great to be here. We thought maybe what would be a good thing to do just for our listeners is to introduce ourselves so that you can become familiar with who we are. John, do you want to get us started? I am originally from El Paso, Texas. That's where I was born and raised, and I'm probably the um, patriarch of this (laughs) trio here. There's no probably about it, John. (laughs) Uh, But I was born and raised in Texas, Uh, went to Brigham Young University, got my degree from BYU. I served as a young missionary in the Mexico Veracruz mission many years ago. With Moses, was one of my <laughs> companions. <laughs> Came back, finished my degree at BYU, and then was hired where I spent 25 years undercover with the CIA. Uh, in one of my very first assignments, I was transferred to Los Angeles, and in a singles ward is where I met my wife. <laughs> so we were uh, married in the Salt Lake City Temple. Uh, we have four wonderful children, and we have seven grandchildren. We're very proud of them all. My wife served her mission in the Peru-Lima mission. Oh, great. And she is a, uh, a nurse. She says she's retired, but I don't see any annuity. So once our family started growing, she started being a stay-at-home nurse to nurse us along the way. So like I say, I, I spent uh, 25 years in government service with the CIA and then retired and started a, a little consulting company when my wife and I were called to serve as mission leaders in the California Fresno Mission. And so we served there for three years, uh, had a wonderful time. When did for, you serve there? Uh, from 2008 to 2011. When we returned, I was uh, hired by seminaries and institutes, and I was a coordinator on the East Coast for a couple of years, and then the missionary department called and invited us to come to Salt Lake and where I was involved for last eight years working with newly called mission presidents and going to missions throughout the U.S. and in Latin America, working with missionaries, observing their what they do right, observing areas where they could improve, and that's where I came to know you two, brethren. <laughs> so John Gonzalez is the Jason Bourne of mission presidents. You that's just, right. <laughs> and if they could see me in life, they could see the perfect specimen you, you that I am. You and Matt Damon are exactly <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> lookalikes, yes. right? That's great. So much, brings so much, uh, such a wealth of experience on missionary work to to this podcast. We're so excited to be able to do this with you, John. Well, thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. How about you, Brian? Yeah, it's great to be with both of you. Uh, I grew up in the farmlands of Manti, Utah, and was just a great place to grow up. Moved to Mapleton and and now live in Springville. Uh, As a young man, I I think I came out of the womb just wanting to serve a mission. I I loved missionary work from the beginning. I used to read the the Manti Messenger, all the, they used to post the pictures of the missionaries when they would go and where they were going. I think I learned most of my geography from reading the Manti Messenger because I was interested in where all these people from Manti were going on their missions. Um, I knew I was going to Africa as a young missionary. I, I dreamed of Africa. I knew that's where the call would come. And I opened my mission call, and and it said the Guatemala City Central Mission. I was like, yes, Africa. (laughs) And uh, someone in the room reminded me, no, Central America. (laughs) And uh, I was excited to serve there uh, as as a missionary. Came home, married uh, Julie Larson from from, uh, Mapleton. We've raised uh, now four children. Uh, We're in the throes of missionary work right now. Our oldest daughter served a mission to the Caribbean, uh, Trinidad Port of Spain mission. I have a daughter in Thailand right now, and I have a son who's in the in the MTC in Mexico on his way to the Dominican Republic, and and then I have a little 15 year old at home 
teacher missionary. And so we, we love being a missionary family. Professionally, I spent my career in seminaries and institutes, primarily in the seminary classroom, uh, and love that here in Utah County. Uh, we were called then from seminary to go serve as mission leaders and preside over the California Long Beach Mission. Uh, we love the, the beach. We love Disneyland right there close, right? And mission presidents don't go to the beach, but dads do, right? And taking our four children with us, we went to the beach and went to Disneyland and all those kinds of fun things. And we loved our, our missionary service, loved serving with just these wonderful, wonderful, bright young men and young women from just all over the world that would come and, and serve there in the, in the Long Beach Mission. Wow, what a place to serve. What about you, Sean? Yeah, so, so I grew up in Provo, Utah. Served my mission as a, as a young missionary in the Canada-Toronto mission. Fun story, my stake president had served in the Canada-Toronto mission, and he was my next-door neighbor, and his son went there with his family. And so when they came home, they told me all about the Canada-Toronto mission. I thought it sounded like the greatest place. Well, didn't uh, President Monson President preside Monson over did. that mission? President Ballard. President Ballard. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Some of the greats. Yeah. And so it was fun. My mom and I were opening up my mission call together. And she said, where do you think you're going, Sean? And I said, Canada-Toronto mission. And I said, what do you think, mom? And she said, I don't know, but I think you're going Spanish-speaking. So I opened up the call and it was Canada-Toronto mission Spanish-speaking. So I'm just like, wow, I'm, I'm going to the right spot. So um, I served there, came home, went to BYU, met my wife, Michelle, on my very first day of school at BYU, we were standing in line at the traffic office buying parking stickers. Just had a, had a great conversation. And nine months later, we were married in the Salt Lake Temple, and we have raised five wonderful children. We now have one little granddaughter who's almost two, and we have two more coming in October. So we're, we're getting excited to just continue to grow our family and add, add wonderful people. I have a son that's serving in the... Paraguay Asuncion North Mission right now. He's been out about 18 months. And then my older three children, one served in Nashville, Tennessee, one in Puebla, Mexico, and the other one in Barcelona, Spain. And then we have a, a senior in high school that's, that's still at home with us. Um, for my career, I worked for, I've worked for the Seminary and Institute program for the last 28 years. Currently work at the Utah Valley Institute of Religion along with Brian. We're both instructors there. We both teach mission prep classes here at the Institute. The same time that Brian was called to serve as a mission president down in Long Beach, I was called with my wife to serve down in the California Redlands Mission. It's now currently the California San Bernardino Mission. So that's also Southern California, just inland about an hour and a half. So we enjoyed going to mission leadership seminars together, and we've rubbed shoulders through seminary and institutes for a long time, as well as the mission. And then while we were serving on a mission, we, we came to know John as, uh, tell us your title, what it was. It was the uh, area mission specialist assigned to help the area presidency with uh, mission leaders and helped increase productivity. Yeah, he did a lot of, just assisted both Brian and I a lot in in preparing to be mission leaders and yeah, helping we spent, us with We questions. spent our six months uh, pre-MTC before we left on our mission with Brother Gonzalez. And just uh, back then it was Brother Gonzalez. Now it's John, right? <laughs> and just loved learning uh, about missionary work. And you could just feel the enthusiasm of missionary work. And it got us just prepared and excited to go serve. As Brian and I were, were talking about, I think I came down to your office one day and I'm just like, we teach a, a certain number of mission prep students here at the Institute, but there's so many, particularly young men, who never get a chance to, to go to an Institute to take mission prep because many of them are going before they go to college. And we just thought, oh, there's got to be so many people out there who could benefit from a conversation about missionary prep and, and preach my gospel. So we decided to, to kind of begin this journey and we thought, who better than to invite John Gonzalez to join us and to bring all of his, his wealth of experience and wit uh, to, this, to this podcast with us. Well, I, I don't know uh, about all of that, but I am grateful that you have invited me to join with you. It's interesting, you initially invited me just to be a guest on one of your first episodes, right? and then you roped me in, <laughs> and now I'm knee-deep yeah. in full-time effort <laughs> with you, brethren, but I've, I'm absolutely loving it. Anyway, it, it's, it's just been a, a great uh, 
experience to be involved with both of you, brethren, who I feel uh, a kinship and a very special bond with. And to all you listeners out there, we, we understand that, that some of the things that we'll be talking about, you won't have a whole lot of context for, but we just, we just pray that you can open up your hearts and your mind to this, this journey of preparing to be a full-time missionary and to understand um, that any effort that you put in prior to your mission is going to help you be able to do what President Ezra Taft Benson called entering your mission on the run. Now, this first episode, we're going to get right into Preach My Gospel in Chapter 1. You two had a conversation. Can you help tee up this conversation that the two of you had so that the listeners understand what they're about to experience? Well, our hope is that that uh, you can come along with us and just fall in love with Preach My Gospel. And, and, and no better place to start than Chapter 1, uh, what is my missionary purpose? And so we're we're going to explore deeply what it means to have a missionary purpose. Let's listen to uh, your conversation and and start this journey with preach my gospel. Okay, Brian, let's uh, dive into to chapter one of preach my gospel. And today we'd like to answer the question: What is my purpose as a missionary? Which is obviously a, a fabulous question. Um, and I think it's really important because what a really good mission, what I've learned a really good mission statement does or a purpose statement, it, it answers the question, why do we exist? If you know the answer to the question, why do we exist, then you'll be able to direct all your efforts and energy into to fulfilling that purpose. So when it comes to understanding why we exist as missionaries, I think we need to back up and first look at what is the mission or the purpose statement of Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ? Do you want to just talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, I think if we were to look for a mission statement or a purpose behind all that our Heavenly Father and His Son Jesus Christ do, uh, would naturally go to Moses one thirty nine, For behold, this is my work and my glory to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. I think that that is their purpose. Everything they do is to accomplish that purpose. And so because that's their purpose and because of the fall of Adam and Eve, Jesus Christ exists. That's why we need the Savior. Uh, When Adam and Eve partook of the fruit, that introduced two deaths, spiritual death or a separation from God and physical death. They, at that point, needed a savior to save them, a redeemer to redeem them. They needed Christ, they, they needed a way back. They, they, they were cut off, they were lost, and the savior was it. He was the way back. Yeah, I ultimately think of Heavenly Father, he just wants to be reunited with his children. Right, and, and he wants to bring them back home and he wants all of us to become like him. And so that's their grand obsession is to get all of their children back home and to not just get them home, but to get them to become, help them to develop Christ-like attributes and, and take on the character of Christ and become, become like them. Right, that's, that's their purpose. And it's so easy in our lives to get distracted from, from our purpose. Uh, and, and why we're here uh, recently, our prophet really highlighted yeah. our purpose and, and why we exist uh, as he was speaking to young adults. Um, but I don't think the Savior, I don't think the Father ever get distracted from their purpose. Everything they do is to help their children exactly. come home, to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of their children. Elder Holland was was uh, introducing this statement in Moses 139 to a group of missionaries and after some discussion he asked them to consider the most important word in this mission statement or in this purpose statement. Uh, After some discussion uh, he he focused them to look for the two letter words as perhaps the most important words. Uh, Ultimately he suggested that that the word my for behold this is my work and my glory to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. And I think it's so important for missionaries to understand in their service 
the importance of whose work this really is. This is God's work. This is the Father's work. This is His Son's work. And we get the great opportunity to assist and to help them in this work. I suppose you could say, Sean, that it becomes our work when we, we make it our work. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I don't know that. No, that, that, that totally makes sense. I was thinking, uh, I was thinking about how overwhelming it might feel to a missionary to think that somehow they have to do this great work by themselves. And I saw missionaries who thought that way get very, very overwhelmed with the responsibility of being a missionary. But when a missionary could understand that it was God's work and that they were just his, not just, but they were his instruments, that became something that they could get their minds around. Like I am, I have access to the power of God to help him do his work. And I just need to be an instrument in his hands and do what he wants me to do in order to help him with his grand work. Do you remember that great scripture I've heard you share about uh, David and Goliath? Uh, And I think it captures that idea that this is God's work. Yeah, 1 Samuel 17. I love the part when David, he goes, he didn't want to use the armor. Um, he hadn't, had said he hadn't tried that armor before, but he just went out into the battlefield and there was Goliath just staring down at this, this young boy and mocking him. And not only mocking David, but mocking the God of Israel. But David totally understood who he was. He understood who the God of Israel was. And so in there, it talks about how David uh, says, you come to me with sword and spear, but I come to you in the name of, of the God of Israel. And then he said these words that have always impacted me. He said, for the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. And David understood whose battle it was. And so the next verse, it says, he hasted and he ran towards Goliath. Like he ran at at, at this big obstacle because he knew it wasn't just him, this teenage boy, the shepherd boy running at the problem. He knew that he was doing it with the power of the God of Israel. And, and that made all the difference for him. I love that, Sean. Um, sometimes you'll hear a missionary or, or even a return missionary say, you know, on my mission or when I was on my mission, uh, President Oaks has, has often reminded missionaries that th- this is not my mission, but the Lord's mission. Remember, we're on his errand. This is his work. We get the unique opportunity to serve with God in accomplishing his purpose. Uh, I suppose then for a missionary, it becomes the Lord's mission when the missionary decides to give it to him. And, like David, we have to give it to yeah, him. And isn't that a powerful moment? I don't know if you saw that with your missionaries, but you could almost identify the transfer or the, the time period when a missionary gave the mission to the Lord. And to me, the, the clear signal of that is they started to enjoy the work. They just became filled with love for the work because it was now, I don't have the full burden of it. I'm going to give it to the Lord and I'm just going to do things his way. And it's like, that's when they, they really started to come alive. And when a, when a missionary catches that vision, uh, they, they just serve differently, don't they? Uh, they Absolutely. think of the Savior more. They seek his help and his direction more. This, this changes a missionary's approach. Yeah. So if the Lord's purpose is to, to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man, I guess that then leads us to what is the purpose of a missionary? Why do we exist as missionaries? And to understand why we exist, I think what we first have to do is identify what is the, the problem to be solved. In Preach My Gospel, chapter 1, if you look down to the, the first couple paragraphs, it says some really powerful things um, that I think really help us to know what, what the missionary's role is. It, it says this, You are surrounded by people. You pass them on the street, visit them in their homes, and travel among them. They are all children of God, your brothers and sisters. God loves them just as he loves you. Many of these people are searching for purpose in life. They are concerned for their future and their families. They need the sense of belonging that comes from the knowledge that they are children of God, members of his eternal family. They want to feel secure in a world of changing values. They want peace in this world and eternal life in the world to come. I think we've, 
we've both experienced that, just seeing people who were so lost, who, who didn't feel like they could ever change, who, who were without hope in this world, felt like they had made so many mistakes that, that God could never love them. So many people who had no clue that there was a purpose to life and that they could one day return to, to live with God again. And so I see that as the big problem because you have Heavenly Father and Jesus who are wanting to bring all their children back home, but there's just millions and millions of people in the earth, out there on the earth that don't know where to find the plan or don't know how to come back. Um, and I love, I love in those paragraphs that you read, if, if, if as a missionary, uh, I can see people this way, people who are searching, people who are concerned, people who, who are in need, that they want to feel secure, that they want peace in this world. They, they just don't know where to find it. Yeah. There's a, there's a great scripture in section 123 of the Doctrine and Covenants that I think really illustrates this. These are some of my, some of my very, very favorite verses. Um, about missionary work. But if, if we go to section 123, starting in verse 11, notice, Brian, the words that, that the Lord uses here to emphasize how important this work is. Verse 11, and also it is an imperative duty. What, what do you think that word means, imperative? What does that mean to you? Crucial, absolutely important, essential. <laughs> there's, there's a real cause here. Yeah. It's an imperative duty that we owe. I think that owe is interesting. We owe it because of what we've been given. Mm. We've been given the gospel, and so we owe to all the rising generation and to all the pure in heart. And then here's the telling verse. For there are many yet on the earth among all sects, parties, and denominations who are blinded by the subtle craftiness of men, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. And this is the key, who are only kept from the truth because they know not where to find it. These people are just only kept. They're out there searching. They're concerned and, and all these things, and they're only kept because they don't know where to find it. And, and, and the idea that they're kept from it suggests that they're seeking it. They're mm -hmm. looking for right. it. And so as a missionary, I want to find people and identify people who seem to be looking for something, searching for something. Uh, President Nelson has invited the members of the church to pray to find those that will allow God to prevail in their life. Absolutely. That's these people. That, yeah, exactly. And some of the people that, that we run across aren't ready for that, but, but there are plenty of people out there, according to this, that, that are just waiting and are only kept from the truth because they don't know where to find it. Then in verse 13, so therefore what? Therefore we should waste and wear out our lives in bringing to light all the hidden things of darkness, wherein we know them. And they are truly manifest from heaven. These should then be attended to with great earnestness. What does that line bring to your mind, Brian? And we should you know, attend to these things with great earnestness. You know, we talk about uh, the word urgency in missionary work. Yeah. There, there's great urgency. And that's about as close to the word urgent as you'll find in the scriptures. Yeah. Uh, we need to be urgent about this word. I remember once in a, in a mission leadership seminar, uh, Elder Patrick Kieran of the 70 was, was speaking to us and he said, he said, do you ever feel like as a missionary you get out on a lifeboat and you paddle out into the ocean and you see a person drowning and you excitedly come up to him and, and you, throw him a, you throw him a life vest or, or you, you reach out a hand to him and they, they say no thanks and they toss it aside? It can be difficult to, to rescue a person in some cases, that doesn't even know they need to be rescued. So part of the problem that exists out there is that you have people drowning and they don't even know it. Um, and so that's one of the things that a missionary has to, to understand is to how to help that person recognize what it is that Heavenly Father wants for them. And I think Preach My Gospel is designed to help missionaries do that. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's dive into the actual uh, missionary purpose statement. Do you want to go ahead and read that for us? and? Share some initial, your initial thoughts about that. That's great. So we read in Preach My Gospel, the missionary purpose uh, on page one is to invite others to come unto Christ by helping them receive the restored gospel through faith in Jesus Christ and his atonement, repentance, baptism, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost and enduring to the end. The, these words, for those that have ever 
participated or, or watched or, or even opened their own mission call, these words aren't new. Uh, we, we read about or we hear these words uh, from the purpose statement in, in every mission call. It used to be that a missionary, well, at least, Sean, when I opened my mission call, Me too. Yeah. where I was going was at the beginning of the mission letter, yeah. right, from the prophet. And you'd read through, and within the first paragraph, you were reading uh, where you are being, being assigned, and then there were cheers and celebration, or tears and sadness, depending <laughs> on where you're called, I suppose, right? But uh, uh, I, I love the recent change. Um, as you listen to a mission call today, the, the, the purpose statement found in Preach My Gospel is, is in there. And, and it's read before you ever find out where you're called to serve, what language, you know, when you'll report to the MTC. Uh, and, and it seems like the prophet wants you to know your purpose, uh, the, the, the reason for your call right up front, right from the beginning. And it's important that a missionary understands their purpose uh, this this will provide direction. Uh, it will it will help them stay focused on the reason that they were called. Awesome. Um, so Brian, when when you think about this statement, we know it was probably crafted. It was crafted by prophets and apostles and others at the missionary department. But where does this missionary purpose really come from? What's what's the origin of the purpose of missionary work? Can you can you take us into the scriptures and? Help us see that. I love that. I was in a class and I asked a similar question to my mission prep students. And, uh, and one of the students says, well, it comes from heaven. <laughs> That's and true. He, he was really right, <laughs> right? This, this purpose statement does come from heaven. Uh, perhaps one of the best places to identify where, where this purpose for missionaries comes from is in the New Testament, in the book of Matthew, chapter 28, uh, verse 19. This verse has become, has become known as the Great Commission. Uh, and it, it says in verse 19, this is the Savior just after his, his uh, death, his burial, his resurrection. Uh, he's kind of rallied the troops. Um, and he's about to ascend to his Father, and he extends this assignment to, to the Twelve. And he says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. I love that purpose statement. It's so clear. Your purpose is to go, you could say find and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. I think of the, I think of the apostles here getting this commission because there's only 12 of them. Mm-hmm. And the Lord's telling them to go into all the world. And it's like on their shoulders as the apostles. I can't imagine mm-hmm. the weight that those apostles must feel. Yeah, they've never really wandered outside of Galilee. Jerusalem would have been a, a stretch for them, I'm <laughs> sure. And, and, uh, and yet here they are with their limited capacity, their limited ability to go and, and gather all of Heavenly Father's children. I mean, all nations means all nations, all nations yeah. right? Um, I, I love the promise that the Lord extends to these now overwhelmed right apostles that, that I will go. He says, and lo, I am with you always. And, and, and in English would always want to say, I am with you always. And I think that's true. But I think the word all the way also implies I'll go with each of you. Mm-hmm. As they're scattered right uh, out to the, the people of the earth, uh, his promise is that he will be with each of them. Remember, this is his work. He is the one that carries the burden, the responsibility. And now he's sharing that with these, these 12 apostles. So that was true of those apostles back in the day of Jesus. But, but that charge has also been extended to our current 12 apostles, right? To, to the 15 apostles that, that lead the church today. And I just can't imagine now with the world having expanded like it, like it is now, the load and the weight of responsibility upon those 15 men. And it doesn't seem that the Lord ever rescinded that, that great commission. No, That's no. been the commission of every apostle yeah. uh, since he's called them. Elder, Elder Dieter Uchtdorf was speaking to a group of missionaries and, 
And uh, he said something that I would want all young men and young women who are preparing to serve a mission to understand. He, he gave the missionaries a title, and in that title he referred to them as the extended arm of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. It's pretty cool. I love that. I love that. The extended arm of the Quorum of the Twelve. Elder Holland said to a group of missionaries, you are doing what we have been called to do. This is the, this is the work of the apostles. So the young missionaries are doing the apostolic work. Yeah, it's interesting that the, that the title missionary and apostle mean the same thing, Sean. Uh, one sent forth. And so as a missionary, you serve with apostolic authority. Elder Holland then made a little bit of a clarification here, lest we get carried away <laughs> with that title. He said, your apostolic calling is a, a lowercase a. Right? <laughs> he said, we are in a quorum and hold keys you don't have. You, however, are full, full-time witnesses of Jesus Christ. Uh, you could say, Sean, that there just aren't enough apostles, <laughs> right, to, to reach the four corners of the earth. And so who does he call? Young men and young women and senior couples, right, and yeah. to go out and, and assist in this this most important work. Yeah, I've heard some sometimes uh, missionaries referred to as the junior companions. Yeah. To the apostles, and I, it, it makes me understand now why it's an apostle that goes into that room when a missionary is preparing to be to be assigned, and they seek the revelation about who the Savior wants to go out and be an extension of them as an apostle, and where He wants them to serve. So they take it personal; they can't go everywhere, but they do receive revelation about where each and every missionary will be called to serve. That I think that makes that assignment very personal to them. This is the young man that's going to help me fulfill the great commission that I have as an apostle. And, and I think because of that special bond that, a, that, a, that the 12 feel towards the missionaries, um, wherever the 12 go, they, they want to gather the missionaries. They're their extended arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, did, did you have, Sean, during your time, any of the 12 uh, meet with your missionaries? And, yeah, and we so did. What, what was that like? Yeah, we, the first one that we had was President Oaks, who at that time was Elder Oaks. He was a member of the 12. He was the acting president of the Quorum of the 12 at the time. And um, he came out with Elder Gong, who was a member of the seventy. And then the next general conference, President Oaks became part of the first presidency and Elder Gong was ordained as an apostle. And I got to, to just interact with them and sit by them at lunch and listen to them talk about how they felt about these young missionaries and watch them get up at the pulpit and just look the missionaries into the eyes and just teach them and love them. And so often their words were just words of gratitude that these, these young people were out willing to, to help carry the load with them to, to gather Israel. It's really great. Then we also had an opportunity to have Elder Christofferson visit our mission. And some of the things that he said, I'll never forget. It was just, it was just amazing to, to be in their presence. How about you? Did you have anyone come out and visit your mission? Yeah, we were, we were blessed to have Elder Holland come, and he, 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 he knows how to fire up the troops. Oh, yeah, right? and, <laughs> singe their and, eyebrows, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> a and, coach uh, that will get up in their face a little bit. And, and he, he was so good. Uh, and, then, and then Elder Cook came, and Elder Cook played a significant role in, in bringing forth Preach My Gospel. He did, And yeah. to just watch and, and learn from Elder Cook as he trained and tutored our missionaries in, in how to help gather Israel uh, was, was really a life-changing experience for me and certainly a life-changing experience for our missionaries. But it wasn't like we had to beg the 12 to come. No. They, they wanted to be there. They volunteered to be there. They wanted to gather with the missionaries. It's like the missionaries, they're their people, right? These That's are, right. You're, you're our people, and they, they love to teach them. So, so Brian, let's, let's just take a look again at the purpose statement. I'm just going to read this statement, and every, I just want all of you out there to just really concentrate on these words and what the Lord is teaching about what somebody has to do to be able to, to one day come back into his presence. 
So it says for the missionary, our purpose is to invite others, meaning all people that are out there, to come unto Christ. So how do we help them come unto Christ is the question. And that is by helping them receive the restored gospel. So we invite others to come unto Christ by helping them receive this restored gospel. So then the next question is, how does somebody receive the restored gospel? And he says, through faith in Jesus Christ and his atonement, repentance, baptism, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, and enduring to the end. And that last part is what we call the doctrine of Christ. So the doctrine of Christ is, is basically his atoning sacrifice. That's his, his role in it. And our role in it is to exercise faith in Jesus Christ, to repent of our sins, be baptized, and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and endure to the end. There's a lot of people out there in the world, Brian, that, that think I just need to believe in Christ or I just need to love Christ. But Christ here is saying, yes, that's all true, but there's also more that you need to do. You need to understand this doctrine that you, it's required that you develop faith in me, that you repent of your sins, that you enter into a formal relationship with me or a covenant with me through baptism, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, and then endure to the end. So on your missions, future elders and sisters, you're going to hear this term, the doctrine of Christ, talked about all the time. And it basically references those, those five things, faith, repentance, baptism, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, and enduring to the end, all with a focus on Jesus Christ as the Redeemer, right? And we see that in the scriptures. 2 Nephi 31 is a great place to go to learn about the doctrine of Christ. And another great place is right in 3 Nephi 11. Do you want to just kind of take us through what Jesus did there in 3 Nephi 11 to emphasize this? Yeah, this is such a great place to take those that uh, you're, you're working with to help them understand the, the need for the Savior, a need to have faith, a need to repent, a need to be baptized and receive the Holy Ghost. Uh, as the Savior appears for the first time to these people gathered here in, in the Americas, uh, they, he, he invites them to come. They've anticipated his coming for a long time. And here he is. They invite him to come. Each of them come forth to touch the marks in his hands and in his feet. Uh, as they recognize that this is the, the, the one who, who they've been waiting for. When they recognize this is the man that can save them. They all in unison shout, Hosanna, which means please save us. Uh, the Savior then, uh, what does he do next? He invites Nephi to come forth. He gives him power to baptize in verse 21. He then invites others to come, probably 11, right? And he gives them power to baptize. He'll then go, he'll then go on to instruct them how to baptize or the, or the mode of baptism uh, so that there, there wouldn't be any argument, no disputations, no, no contention surrounding this most important covenant that they would enter into. As, he, as he's doing this, he then highlights that this is his doctrine. As we look at verse 32, he says, And this is my doctrine. And it's the doctrine which the Father hath given unto me. And I bear record of the Father, and the Father beareth record of me, and the Holy Ghost beareth record of the Father in me. And I bear record that the Father commandeth all men everywhere to repent and believe in me. So this is the desire of our Heavenly Father. This is the desire of the Savior. This is the desire or the doctrine of the Holy Ghost. And just think of all the things that Jesus could have said. You know, the first time he has an audience with the Nephites, the first thing he talks about is his doctrine. Because remember, this is his work and his glory. He wants to get all these Nephites home. And so he's just laying out in plain detail, this is the doctrine that will bring you back home to me. I just think it's beautiful to see the emphasis that he puts by talking about that before anything else. Yeah, uh, he... he He's interested in helping save all of God's children. Well, this is how. You must first repent, exercise faith, repent, be baptized. I think he was serious when he said to Nicodemus, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Yeah. He's teaching the same thing here in the Book yeah. of Mormon. It's absolutely essential. This is salvation is on the line. 
And for a young missionary or a senior missionary to understand that, when you're out there, I mean, what you're doing is, is not just something nice. It's not just a, a good service project. This, this is literally helping somebody be saved. And the missionaries are the ones that are given the divine commission to, to help that to happen. He's telling these apostles, here's what I need you to do. It's so powerful. So our, our purpose really is to invite others to come unto Christ through faith, repentance, baptism, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, enduring to the end. It's interesting to note, Sean, that 13 times he highlights the word baptism. Do you think he's interested in, <laughs> in us helping people repent and be baptized? Yeah, and I think the, the reason why is baptism, to, is, as you look at it, it kind of moves someone. I don't mean this in a, in a base kind of way of talking about it. It's almost like from dating the Savior to being married to him, from a casual relationship to saying, I am all in. I want to follow you with all of my heart, and I'm willing to make a covenant with you and, and, and experience this ordinance to mark the day that I told you that I was all in. Just like we do when we get married to our, to our spouses, we're saying we're one now. We're, we're in this together forever. And, and that's why Jesus says, that's what I want for my disciples. I, I don't want them half-hearted. I want them to be all in. I want them to enter into this special covenant of baptism. And the difference between somebody baptized and somebody not baptized is tremendously significant. So, so God doesn't want baptism from somebody. He wants baptism for them because of what it will do for them. To be washed clean and to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost that will enable them to endure to the end. I love what it says in Preach My Gospel uh, in chapter 1 on page 9. Baptizing and confirming people you teach is central to your purpose. Baptism is for the remission of sins, and the gift of the Holy Ghost brings a host of blessings to those who live worthy of it. Through these ordinances, people enter the gate and continue on the path to eternal life and exaltation. President Oaks goes on and preached my gospel to say, we do not preach and teach in order to bring people into the church or to increase the membership of the church. We do not preach and teach just to persuade people to live better lives. We invite all to come unto Christ by repentance and baptism and confirmation in order to open the doors of the celestial kingdom to the sons and daughters of God. No one else can do this. Such a great shift in mindset. I love that. It's, it's not about just adding people to the church. We're trying to save people. Remember these Nephites said, please save us. And, and that's what the missionary purpose is intended to do, to bring them to Christ so that he can save them. That's right. I love that. In Third Nephi, the very last verse, again to these 12, he says, Therefore, go forth unto this people and declare the words, that I have spoken unto the ends of the earth. Declare faith in Jesus Christ, repentance, baptism, receiving the Holy Ghost, and enduring to the end. Whether you're in the old world, to those early disciples, early apostles, or in the new world, to these now called apostles, the purpose of a missionary never changes. Never changes. Never changes. You know, as I look at the role, uh, this is this is kind of a big deal of what Jesus is asking of people to be saved, right? Basically, the role of the friend that you'll be teaching out there in the mission field is that they need to come unto Christ. That's their job, right? Uh, they need to receive the restored gospel. Uh, it goes on to say they need to exercise faith. They need to repent. They need to commit to be baptized um, to receive the Holy Ghost enduring to the end. So, so this is kind of a tall order. It's, it's completely doable. But what Jesus is asking of people is literally to transform their lives. And so, you know, as you're out there in the field, you're going to come up with people that have been smoking all their life or who have never had to pay 10% of their income. You know, maybe that's just something that, uh, you know, their bills are, are based on a fixed income and they've never done that. And so to repent and to make those changes is a really difficult thing uh, for these people to do. And that's where the missionaries come in, right? Mm -hmm. That's where our role as missionaries comes in, is to assist them to do the things that they have to do, 
right? And I, and I love the very first word of the mission statement, yeah. invite. That, that is our purpose, to invite others to come unto Christ. That's what a missionary does. Yeah. Uh, I, I love what Elder uh, Brent Nielsen of the 70 would often tell missionaries. He says, if I could change your name from missionaries, I would call you inviters. That's what you do all day, every day. You invite people to do things that will connect them to Christ and his restored gospel. You will say things like, will you allow us to teach you about Jesus Christ? Will you read the Book of Mormon and pray to know it is true? Will you come to church with us on Sunday? Will you keep the commandments? Sean, when a missionary sees themselves as inviters, it changes how they approach each day, every interaction with people. It changes their mission. So a young person can begin now to be a missionary by learning to invite others, to invite those around them. You could ask questions like, will you come and listen to me speak in church? Will you come to family home evening with me? Will you come with me to Institute? We like that one, Sean, yeah, right? Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> uh, and so uh, you can start with your siblings, with your friends, with your roommates, uh, and we can fulfill our missionary purpose now. Yeah, in fact, Brian and I invite all of you to do that, right? Well, we, want, we invite you to do it and know that it will, will really help you to get a feel for this as you do it. So, you know, as we mentioned, Brian, um, because coming unto Christ can be hard, many out there are hesitant to change or to accept our invitations. You see that all the time. There's tons of people that are willing to say they'll do something to accept the invitations, but having them actually follow through and do it is another story. So I love that there's another verb in the mission purpose statement that talks about what missionaries need to do, and that is that they are to help others receive the restored gospel. So the two missionary verbs are they're there to invite and they're there to help. Um, and I think there's a difference between hoping that someone will receive the restored gospel and actually helping them receive the restored gospel. And a lot of times, I've seen missionaries that just forget their purpose and they invite people to do things and then they just sit at home or whatever and hope that they'll actually follow through with it. I have a couple examples of, of this from my mission. I remember uh, a couple of our great missionaries were teaching a single mother and she had four little children and she was very responsive to their invitations. Always said, yes, I will come to church. And then these missionaries would go to church. They'd sit in the middle of the congregation and they would hope that she would come. And I remember them talking about every time the door opened, they would turn their heads, look back, hoping that they would see this mother with her four little kids in tow. And every single time they looked back, it didn't happen. And they were frustrated with this mom and why she would say she would come, but then would never come. And then we had some sister missionaries who were, were teaching another person uh, to come to church and they invited her and she said yes I'll come but instead of just going to church and hoping that they would come these sisters went on Saturday night and actually helped the mother lay out the the clothing of all the children they got a little bag together of things that could entertain the children during church and made sure that she was all set so that when she woke up in the morning all that she had to do was just, hey, here's all the, the things. I don't need to look for everything. I can get everybody dressed. And then they had a member there to pick her up and to help her get to church safely. So those sisters, rather than just hoping, they fulfilled their missionary purpose by helping her keep the, the commitment that she made when they invited her to come to church. And it, it made all the difference. And I really think, Brian, that that is the difference between missionaries who have a lot of success and see people make and keep commitments and build faith in Christ than those that, that are frustrated um, with the people that just don't follow through. So, so Sean, inviting others doesn't fulfill our missionary purpose. No, it's, we it's have not to, enough. We have to invite and help. I don't know about your mission, but in our mission, there, there was a flu pandemic that, that swept through our mission uh, every Sunday morning. And, and the missionaries would report that their <laughs> investigator got sick Sunday morning. Well, why were they sick? It's because we hadn't sufficiently helped them. They didn't know how to dress. They didn't know if they needed to bring money to donate. They didn't know if there were certain songs or prayers they had to, to know. They didn't know if they'd be called on. 
And so naturally, they were sick every Sunday morning, right? And the missionaries <laughs> believed they were actually sick. When they weren't sick, we just hadn't helped them yeah. sufficiently prepare. We didn't help them have sufficient faith and understanding. I picture that. missionaries in the middle of the week taking them on a, a tour of the chapel. Yeah. Walking them through everything. So we'll start here. You'll do this during the sacrament. This is what you do. No money will be asked of you. Here's how you dress. Then let's move to this room. And you just walk them through. And you can just see our friends' concerns and worries just evaporate because we're helping them every step of the way. So helping is a mindset. Yeah. A missionary has to stop thinking like an 18-year-old. Yeah. And they have to almost think a little older, right? Exactly. They have to think like a mom. They have to think like a dad. Yeah. Uh, but when you can get that missionary mindset of, we don't just invite people to come into Christ, we help them. Yeah, I, I remember some missionaries being really frustrated that they kept inviting somebody to be baptized and they would never accept the invitation. And they would talk to me about it, and I asked them simply the question, so elders, tell me, are, are they reading the Book of Mormon? Oh, no, they won't read the Book of Mormon either. Are they coming to church? No, they're not coming to church. Uh, are, they, are they praying to find out if this is true? No, we, we can't really get them to pray. And so these elders were two steps ahead of themselves. They were worried about baptism when what they really needed to be focused on was the first step, and that was helping these people develop faith in Christ, they were not responding to the, to the invitations that would help them build their faith. So the elders, what they needed to do is go back and help them be successful in reading the Book of Mormon. Maybe get members over to read with them or to help them to come to church like we just described. Or, or maybe they just don't know how to pray. So to walk it through and pray with them, all of a sudden, Faith starts to increase as they are successful in acting. They naturally want to repent of their sins. And when it comes time to invite them to fully commit to Christ through baptism, they're ready to make that commitment because the, the missionaries have been inviting and helping them through every step of the process. So, so to our listeners, can you, can you picture yourself doing this? Can you picture yourself inviting others to come unto Christ and then helping them? receive it that's the key that's that's absolutely the key so this is all kind of a lot that we've been talking about but uh, uh, one of the things that I love that's happened recently in, in the new changes to preach my gospel is Elder Oaks has talked about an inspired summary of our work um, want to talk to that point Brian yeah so perhaps uh, as missionaries or mission leaders we were we were kind of we were doing a lot of good things but we were maybe getting off track. We were missing our purpose. And so President Downey Chokes gave what he called the inspired summary of our work. You can read about this on page two in Preach My Gospel. Uh, he narrowed the much longer purpose statement into five simple words that are easy to remember. And those five simple words were teach repentance and baptize converts. Every word here can, can be a sermon. Now, to teach repentance doesn't mean that we don't teach faith in Jesus Christ. That's implied here. Uh, faith drives me to want to repent. Um, and so as a missionary, if I were to be focused on my missionary purpose, number one, I would teach. Missionaries are first and foremost teachers. We're to teach, as it says in the scriptures, we're to teach all nations, all the world every creature. We're to teach in every setting, every moment, every interaction with anyone who will listen, both member or non-member, uh, old, young, rich, poor, Christian, non-Christian. Missionaries are teachers. And what are we to teach, Sean? Repentance. Yeah. And how, how, would, how would a missionary teach repentance? You know, repentance to me is, is just uh, is obedience. It's, it's understanding what Jesus wants them to do, and then them having enough faith in Jesus Christ to conform their lives to Him. So if their life's out of bounds with Him, then they're willing to bring their life in alignment with what the Savior wants them to do because they love Him so much, right? And so we can invite them to see what, which changes that, that the Lord would, would want them to make. 
So if I'm a missionary who's teaching repentance, I always have Christ on my lips. Absolutely. Uh, as we read in the Book of Mormon in 2 Nephi 25, 26, and we talk of Christ, we rejoice in Christ, we preach of Christ, we prophesy of Christ, and we write according to our prophecies that our children may know to what source they may look for remission of their sins. So if I'm a missionary and my charge is to teach repentance, I've got to speak of Him. I've got to talk of Him. I've got to rejoice in Him. Uh, I would often tell our missionaries, uh, if I were a missionary again, I would talk less of the church, and I would talk more of Christ. That's our charge. That's our purpose. Yeah. And then that, that becomes natural then to, to focus on baptizing, right? Our purpose is to, to baptize. But it's incomplete to only say we're here to baptize we're here to actually baptize converts. Yeah, sometimes you ask a missionary, what's your purpose, Elder? To baptize. <laughs> right. Okay, but it's incomplete. Yeah, because you, you can just baptize people who happen to love the missionaries maybe, right? Or they just have fallen in love with the personality and they're willing to do anything the missionaries say. But, but we don't just want to baptize people into the church. We want to baptize those who have become converted to Jesus Christ, which, which implies that they have faith, and that they've experienced that mighty change of heart and are willing to now fully give themselves to Christ. And those are the, the people that will be retained. Those are the people that will remain faithful, um, you know, as they experience obstacles later in their life. You know, one of the, one of the missionaries that, uh, that I got to serve with, uh, when, when, he, when he really figured out his missionary purpose, when that, when that got into his heart, that he was there to teach repentance and baptize converts, he began to notice more people. He began to see more people. Uh, he began to picture people dressed in white, making covenants with God, people that were repenting, coming to the Savior. Uh, he, he, he recognized, I need to stop and talk to everybody. It doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter who they are. And so when a missionary understands their purpose, they just act. They just see people. Uh, they, they typically don't have a problem finding people to teach because they're going to talk to every person. And they're not just going out finding. They're going out to find somebody to teach. They have a purpose in their finding. I'm not just there as what we would call a fill-time missionary filling my time so I appear busy. They're out there as full-time missionaries trying to bring souls to Christ, right? I think of, uh, if I can just tell you about this elder named Elder Robinson, uh, I'll never forget him. He was so committed to, his, to fulfill his missionary purpose. One day he was out on a bike and he pulled out in front of somebody and he got hit by a car and he flew up onto the, the hood of their car and with his bike helmet, cracked the windshield and uh, then he fell back down onto the ground the person got out helped him to the curb and then drove off <laughs> and so there's elder robinson he his clothes looked like the incredible hulk after they burst out of their clothes his clothes are shredded he's got a big gouge out of his hip and he they, he goes to the emergency room with his companion and, and they call me and i come down and i see them and Elder Robinson is so annoyed with the doctors that are taking all of this time. And he said, President, I'm okay. I don't need to be here. I'm like, Elder, you have a, your hip has a, all this flesh out of it. They need to take care of you. He's like, I'm fine. I have appointments I have to get to. He's like, just tell them that it's okay for me to go. And I'm like, Elder Robinson, you need to get well. But for him, all he could think about was that he had people out there that were waiting for him to come and teach. And he couldn't stand the thought of, of wasting one more minute in, in the hospital, which I wouldn't recommend that, that, that we don't take care of ourselves, but it's just that, that urgency. These things should be attended to with great earnestness. I saw that in Elder Robinson, and to me, he was a missionary that, that always fulfilled his purpose. Brian, can I do a quick little case study with you? Mm -hmm. We're about out of time here. But I'm going to play the role of one of your missionaries. You be the mission president. And I want you to, to answer a question. So, president, is, is it okay if we go play soccer at 4 o'clock this Wednesday with, with some of our members? 
Would that be okay? What, what do you think? Is, can I get your permission? Some of our members want us to go do that. Well, what, what do you think, President? Yeah, Elder, thank you for asking. I think it's a great question. Uh, in Preach My Gospel, uh, on page one, we learn about our missionary purpose. Uh, Elder, what, what's your purpose as a missionary? Uh, to invite others to come into Christ by, by helping them receive the restored gospel through, through, faith, you know, through, through the doctrine of Christ. So, Elder, how will soccer help you fulfill your missionary purpose? Well, President, um, the, the members told me that they have some friends that they're going to bring, and they think that these friends won't respond to the invitation to just sit down and have us teach them. But they really think if we will play soccer with them and build a relationship, that, that they will feel really comfortable then inviting them to meet with us. So, so they feel like this is going to be the key to helping those people um, meet with us and be taught. So, so other, it sounds like you're interested in fulfilling your missionary purpose. And if soccer can help you fulfill your missionary purpose, I say we try it out. Okay, I, I think so. I think it'll help. We'll let you know how it goes. Wonderful. So I, I think that's just a good example of, of missionaries. When you're out there, if, if you're ever confronted with an activity, I think if you'll just always ask yourself the question, how would this help me fulfill my mission, my missionary purpose? If the answer is, is that this is going to help somebody come into Christ or facilitate a way for you to be able to teach and invite and help them, then I would say go for it. And so that kind of expands the kind of missionary work that we can do. It's not just mindlessly tracting and knocking on doors. It's saying, what is my, the unique way that I can help more and more people to come into Christ. And, and you'll find some really, really creative ways to do that within your own personality, bringing your own skills to play. Um, I, I think the, that if you can just answer that question, sky's the limit about what you can do, I guess within a few parameters, right? So, so Sean, then, um, you know, if I were a young person preparing to serve a mission, th there might be lots of reasons that, that I want to go on a mission. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'll become a better student. Maybe I'll become uh, a better husband and father. Uh, perhaps I'll become a better mother, a better wife. Um, I might see a part of the world I, I'd never get to see. I, I might get a taste food. I, I would never get a taste otherwise. I might have some incredible experiences. But the purpose of every missionary ever called from the very beginning until now is to teach repentance and baptize converts, to help other people come unto Christ. Whether, whether a young person is called to Rhode Island or Russia, Italy or Idaho, Washington or wherever, right? Uh, your purpose never changes. If we ever send missionaries to Mars, Sean, what will be their purpose? <laughs> It'll be the same. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's if we can just zero in on that and understand that missionary purpose, then missionary work becomes fun because what we're doing is we're no longer doing our work. We're doing his work. And when we're involved with his work, we experience miracles and we experience a kind of joy that I don't know that that I've ever experienced to that degree other than the joy that I experience within my own family. And it is the great privilege uh, of your life, of our lives, to be able to be instruments in the hands of God uh, to bring about this great missionary purpose and to help Heavenly Father be reunited with his lost children. I think you two hit the nail on the head in helping us understand our missionary purpose. When we come back next time, we'll actually get into what it means to be a successful missionary. A lot of missionaries wonder, how can I measure my success? And we will continue in chapter one to talk about that. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Preach My Gospel Mission Prep Podcast and that it helps you in your study of Preach My Gospel and preparing you for your mission. Please join us for our next episode. And if you feel this podcast might be helpful to others preparing to serve a mission, please invite them to join us on our journey through and discovery of Preach My Gospel. For more information on how to get institute credit for this podcast and other offerings by the Utah Valley Institute of Religion, please visit utahvalleyinstitute.com. 
You may also find us on Instagram at Preach My Gospel Podcast. Feel free to send questions or comments to Preach My Gospel Podcast at gmail.com. The Preach My Gospel Mission Prep Podcast is produced with the permission of the Utah Valley Institute of Religion. The hosts are expressing their personal views based on their own experiences, applying the principles of Preach My Gospel, and accept full responsibility for the content in these podcast episodes.